Welcome to The End Game, a podcast about the positive aspects of aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I'm your host, Don Auction. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get on with today's show. Welcome to the first gathering of the Council of Elders, a group of wise, wise wise-ass, highly opinionated adults who have agreed to share their insights on positive aging with each other and with you. I'm Don Auction. I'll be the ringmaster for today's circus, and I'll ask each of our panelists to introduce themselves and say a little bit about their life experiences, starting with Charles Ramelkamp. Hello, my name is Charles Ramelkamp, and I'm 69 years old, um, 69 and a half, and uh, I have been retired since about 2014. I worked for many years as a technical writer, uh, information specialist at um, Social Security Administration and other things too. Um, and I'm a poet and I will be actually reading a poet poem that is germane to this subject, I think. And that's why I, why I have selected it. Great. Thanks. Susie? Uh, my name is Susie Kaufman. I live in uh, the Berkshires in Western Massachusetts. I'm 76 which seems amazing to me. Uh, I am a retired hospice chaplain. So I spent some number of years very um, engaged on a close personal level with people who were at the end of their lives and older people and sick people. And I bring that to my current work uh, which is uh, basically writing, and I'm writing on Substack, as as is Don. Uh, and my newsletter is called 70-something, and the tagline is Memory, Aging and Amazement, and the Inner Life. Good stuff. And Kit? Nice. I'm Kit Cassingham. I live in Southwest Colorado, and I specify that because I'm on the side of the state where very few people live. Uh, most people think of Colorado as being that uh, strip from Fort Collins to Trinidad. Um, no, I'm five hours west of there. Um, I have an eclectic background that brings me to this call. I am um, I have a wide range of passions, but my degrees in environmental conservation. My, the bulk of my work experience is in hospitality. I was a bed and breakfast innkeeper and then coach and realtor and stuff. Um, and now that I'm over here, I uh, am an EMT. So there's a lot of caregiving. And around here, it t- tends to be the, uh, uh, not always, but it's the older population that seems to need us most. And uh, I was also deputy coroner for four years, which gives me a wide range of experience with grieving and um, taking care of people's you know, possessions and help, just helping the transition. And that's actually how I saw myself was helping them in their transition. But um, taking care of people is what I have done pretty much all of my life, starting in high school. Uh, I'm a, a life design coach, helping people maneuver the transitions through life, you know, we've got these extra 30 years and we don't know what, how to deal with them and insert them into our lives. 
So that's my job is to help you redesign your life and learn to celebrate these new um, aspects. But positive aging and longevity are what I'm focusing on. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you all. And to start things off, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, how the media see us. Um, the University of Southern California Annenberg School of Communication and Journalism did a study in 2016-2017 of the most popular television series, and they analyzed uh, who the characters were. And, well, what do you know? Adults 60 and older represented less than 10% of the speaking characters. And seniors were slightly less than 8% of the regular characters. Of 39 series that had senior characters, 41% included at least one ageist comment. Lots of demeaning language, lots of self-deprecating remarks by older characters, lots of wisecracks about wrinkled skin and references to failing memories. So I guess the question I want to ask you is, as you look at the media, do you see yourself? Do you see us being portrayed well? Uh, and does it bother you? Do you have uh, strong feelings about what you see and, and the ageist, ageist views that they seem to represent? Who wants to jump in? Well, I'll, I'll jump in by saying I don't pay much attention to media. I don't watch a lot of television. But what I do watch, I guess your statistics support it doesn't bother me that seniors aren't well represented or aren't represented in a positive light. Cause I just kind of take it for what it is, but my friends and associates seem to pay close attention to it. When I have 50 and 55 year old friends moan about how old they are, I just cringe. Uh, I believe that they are buying into what the media is showing them and all of us. And they're taking it seriously and thinking, oh, well, I'm not 30 anymore, so I must be old. And, and then they get my wagging finger and saying, uh -uh, we don't talk like that around here. So That's all, that's all for me for the moment. But I want to hear what uh, Charles and Susie have to say, though. When you asked us this question, Dot, I immediately thought of it as homework and, you know, knuckled down to see uh, what I could come up with. And uh, like Kit, I don't. I don't have a lot of examples to draw from, from popular entertainment, but two shows came to mind because they're both what I would call high end shows with very, very uh, renowned uh, performers in them. And the first is the Kaminsky method with um, Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin on the on the male side and then on the female side i can't remember is it frankie and grace or grace and frankie whatever the one with jane fonda and uh, lily tomlin um and both of those shows even though they're you know very well written in in the hollywood kind of way um the the way that people are the jokes that are generated by those scripts 
seem to, you know, there's a lot of bathroom humor. There's a lot of sexual dysfunction humor. There's a, it, it's, it, it's sort of a low bar of what might be amusing and witty that uh, a 70 year old performer could offer. So that was one of the two things that came to me. I'll save the other one for later on. It just so happens, uh, Susie, that those are the two series that I've that I've watched myself. I don't watch a lot. Um, I thought, well, the Michael Douglas with his with his uh, prostate that running joke is a little yeah. bit gets old. a little old. Um, yeah, Fonda. Uh, well, she she kind of is very sexy for somebody who's supposed to be pushing eighty. I don't know, but we'll skip that. I, I think, but um, I watch uh, a lot of when I do watch. I watch, I watch MSNBC uh, news programs, and of course, the news programs, their commercials are are all aimed at older people and and medical drugs kinds of things. Um, there's one uh, for Prevagen, which is a memory enhancer that I think is, I think it's quack. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's completely fraudulent. I think it's uh, made up totally of vitamin D3, and but they talk about how they they suddenly are remembering things and, and they want to, and they want to give back to the community. And I don't know, I'm a little bit skeptical of all that, but <laughs> then the other ones, all the other millions of, uh, of, you know, don't do this. If you know, this drug may kill you, but, uh, or, you know, if you have heart, you know, all the disclaimers <laughs> other than that, my poem that I wanted to read actually is kind of addresses this. This is, it's, called Averting Calamity. In the subject line of the email I wrote, I've fallen down and I can't get up, having just seen a commercial for one of those emergency notification services for elderly people living alone. So uh, an alert button like a dog collar around the neck. Flimsy acting, a woman reclining like an odalisk in a tub, as if enjoying a bubble bath. A man lying on the ground, very preppy, in a cardigan and Chino's head propped in his palm, elbow on the grass, both speaking to the cameras if reading from a teleprompter, neither looking particularly in pain. I meant to send the email to myself, a reminder to write a poem about my mom at the age of 92, falling off the toilet, breaking her hip. She'd lived alone for 15 years since my father died, a thousand miles away from where I lived. She called her caregiver, Sammy, who later described her agony to me when he drove her to the emergency room. When I tried to insert my email address from the address book, I clicked the rabbi's email instead, Rob Daniel, right below mine. I noticed my error five minutes later, quickly sent an explanation beginning, oops. The rabbi wrote back, ha, glad to hear you're okay. So that was the calamity I was averting. But, you know, that's, these are the kinds of commercials you see, and they aren't really convincing. Don and I are in a wise aging group and we saw a movie that involved elderly people in a nursing home and Don observed that uh, there are no people in walkers in these things. They're all pretty healthy. They're, they're, all, they're like they're at a country club or something. Uh, so the, the walkers are all in the background and that's kind of what, what these commercials are like. But I don't suppose that anybody would really want to see a commercial of somebody really sort of gasping in pain, but well, on the one hand, this is sort of how I feel about the the Jane Fonda series. I mean, on the one hand, you want to 
stand up and cheer that 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 Jane Fonda in her 70s or early 80s and Lily Tomlin can be leads in a series. Hooray. You know, there goes there goes that, uh, you know, you got to be young and beautiful. But uh, on the other hand, it still does play to stereotypes. And and the thing about the movie, which I'm trying to remember the name of, but uh, unfortunately, we I can't I can't come up with it right now. Um, Queen Bees. That was it. Queen Bees. Um, yeah. On the one hand, you say, great, they're yeah. showing old people as being, you know, standing standing and walking and doing all these kinds of things. And on the other, you say, but they're supposed to be in a in an assisted living facility and everybody's ambulatory and there's nothing. It, it, it's not exactly the real story. So. You know, I'm kind of of two minds about and And I have a whole bunch of thoughts bouncing around in my head and my connection's bad enough. I don't know if I'm talking over somebody or not. So, Don, you get to separate us. Um, my mother-in-law lives in assisted living. And I'm impressed with how, I mean, there are a lot of walkers, but there are a lot of ambulatory people, including her. And she turns 98 in March. Wow. Um, but that, and when you're talking about Queen Bees, which I've not seen actually, I hadn't even heard of, it reminds me of the Golden Girls, where you have four women living in a house together, and I don't know what to make of that. It seems to me they're fighting the stereotypes, but I don't. And the movies I think of when I think of seniors are Cocoon, and um, what is the one? One is. It's complicated, or it's, I think that was the name of it. Do you, do you remember that one? With Meryl Streep? Meryl Streep, yeah. Wasn't Meryl Streep in that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's challenging to do comedy that doesn't have that, you know, bathroom humor kind of quality. Um, I don't know why. Why? It's an interesting question. Why is it challenging to have people in their 70s or 80s being funny without being self-deprecating. You know, a a serious drama is something different. But um, comedy, I think, is sells. And that brings me to my other point, which was um, regarding marketing at us and our fam and our family members. Uh, certainly what Charles referred to, the marketing these drugs which within the first twenty seconds you realize can kill you, you know, they all they always add that, you know, that addendum can be fatal. But besides that, um, the endless parade of marketing um, for for senior living arrangements. I mean, I turn on the television and that's pretty much <laughs> what they're selling. You know, they're, they don't sell floor wax anymore and they, and they hardly even sell automobiles. They, to me, it seems they're mostly selling um, places where I will be so happy. How do they know what's going to make me happy? You know, certainly not, uh, fattening the coffers of people, the corporations that own these places. So I get cynical. They have the recipe for your life, Susie. Just enjoy it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm sh- I'm sure you'll love the golf course and the swimming and the casserole club. Yeah. Having watched my, when my dad, after my folks moved into their retirement community, dad signed up for the exercise class and he came back and he was late 80s at that point. And he goes, it's just a bunch of old people gently throwing a ball back and forth across the aisle at each other. And and I laughed that he described them as the old people when, you know, he's in his 80s and he might have been older than some of them. Um, but I, I've watched how my folks were treated. Uh, my in-laws, uh, lots and lots of friends and family. And I've decided I'm not moving into a place like that. I'm going to create my own regenerative community, multi-generational, so that I can keep living a normal life and have somebody handy to help me when I need it. But that's when I'm 90 or 100. My, my mother-in-law, who I was reminded turns 91 this year, uh, also was unhappy at the number of old people in her place. And, uh, <laughs> and she, she followed a, a routine that um, I think is, is really great. About 30 years ago, she started making friends who were a generation younger. And today they're in their fifties and sixties and they love to take her with them to concerts and to plays and to all the stuff that she loves and she can leave those old people behind cool. and go out and enjoy herself. And uh, yeah. more power to her. Yeah. We should all be so lucky. Cool. We should all start now. Um, find, yes. Finding those friends. But Don, do you think do you think that part of that attitude, which is universal, you know, I don't want to be around those old people. I've heard that countless numbers of times. Whether part of that is is um, some kind of you know internalized self-loathing, you know why not? Why not be around other other people that you have that commonality with? I mean, it would be nice to have younger people as well, but but I think it's worth considering why why people are so put off by other people like themselves. You know, I have a different take on that. Um... I don't think of myself as being 70 years old. I think of myself as being about 40. And that's that's a reason that I don't make a habit of going by mirrors either, because I don't want to have my illusions shattered. <laughs> but um, I think all of us internally feel a different age than we, we appear. And that some of that is not being able to see ourselves as being old because our internal idea of ourselves is much younger. That's that's my guess. Charles, you had a question, too. Well, I was just uh, I kind of was uh, snidely wondering if those 50 and 60 year olds uh, and that your mother in law runs around with are complaining about themselves as being old. As we were you know, mentioning earlier, that there is that tendency from our. We were portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have some friends, a couple of guys who are in their fifties that I used to work with that we meet for lunch about a couple of times a year. And they, they do tend to complain about being old. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. That's a hard one. <laughs> so, oh, I, that's a hard one. You guys. So I don't know, Susie, um, but, maybe there's some self-loathing in it too. I know that when I was uh, four or five years ago, I felt this aging thing a lot more painfully than I do now. 
And I was really feeling like, oh my God, the end is near. Uh, I have no useful purpose. Uh, I'm not contributing anything. Uh, I'm not happy. I don't, it's over. It's over. I've got back pain. I've got leg pain. You know, it's just going to be downhill. And I don't know what happened, but uh, somebody whooped me upside of the head and I got, I got better and said, oh yeah, well, if I'm going to be alive for however many more years, there's no point in belly aching about it. So enjoy it. And, and uh, I think that's where most of us are at this point, hopefully, um, at least on this call. <laughs> so you have no idea or you, or you're not um, up for sharing it at the moment. Wh what changed for you that brought you out of that dark place? Well, it was probably therapy, um, but I can't, I can't really remember. Um, but I think it was probably, um, I joined a writing group with a writing coach, um, that was online and she combined some meditation exercises and some, some spirituality things with working on creative processes. And that just kind of opened up some new channels for me. So I give that a lot of credit, but uh, I, it's certainly easy to fall into that. Oh, woe is me kind of thing. And, and again, the, I, as one of you said before, the media kind of encourages it in a way it sort of tells us, Oh, well, 60 and out you're over the hill. I realized I didn't tell you guys I'm 67 and I don't think about my age. So all these ads to seniors aren't talking to me. I mean, it just doesn't occur to me. And my, up until we had COVID vaccines, I didn't get flu shots. And my husband would, he was so upset with me. My chief paramedic would, oh, you must, because it's for, you know, you're, you're that age, you need extra protection. And then I recite an old um, ad or council of, it's for the very young, the very old, and those with immune, compromised immune systems. And I don't fit into any of those categories. I don't get the flu. Why do I need to get take a shot that keeps me from getting something I don't get? So my husband was surprised when I got my COVID vaccine. I said, I'm doing this as much to protect everyone else as myself. Um, but I've seen what COVID is like, and I don't want that. So it, age is a mindset. And so, Don, when you said that we, you think we see ourselves younger, I don't think about age. So where does that leave me? Where does that put me? Am I, am I so, um, this is a bad joke. Am I so old I can't remember I'm not young anymore? No. Well, I think you're where we would all like to be. Um, not so conscious of age and just enjoying ourselves you know, and taking life as it comes. Um, 
I think that's our aspiration. Uh, speaking for myself, that's my aspiration. Uh, I try not to think about age except when I get my social security check and then I rejoice. I like the discounts I get at the movie theater when I went to movie theaters. <laughs> um, and you were talking about TV programs. I do watch reruns of Grey's Anatomy. And I've realized Shonda Rhimes has done a very nice job of bringing up all the isms, um, their racism issues and ageism, and uh, and they fight and struggle with it. And you see them learning and teaching themselves and those of us watching. Uh, and there are some older doctors who hold their own very nicely and point that out. So maybe Grey's Anatomy is a an unusual TV series. It seems to me that the medical field is one where, where we like older people, you know, Oh, it's a young doctor. What does he know? You know? <laughs> right. I wanted to say in response to, or as influenced by what kids said, and I don't know whether this is because I'm a little older, but I, I actually, rather than, rather than being in a place where, we don't think about our age. We, we it, It's kind of not a factor, like not thinking about being a woman or not thinking about being an American or whatever other designations you might carry. Um, I, I prefer a um, mindset where it's understood that different... Um, periods in life carry with them different um, knowledge, different wisdom, different um, experiences, different experiences, different, different things that can be offered to others. I mean, certainly uh, children are different. Adolescents are different. You know, they have, they have something going on in their lives and why, can't it be said that we as older people also have something going on that is worth thinking about and worth sharing? So I'm more in that place than in the I never think about it place. And Susie, let me ask you this. Um, Do you feel like there's a certain way of thinking that you're doing more of now that's different or, or things that the kind of things that you think about that are different? Well, sort of. Uh, I mean, I've always been an interior person, a spiritually inclined person. So it's not a huge departure for me that now that's sort of all I do. Uh, but, But it's developed, you know, it's developed over the course of time so that I'm more myself, in fact. Uh... I would I would say an answer to that question. That that's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, I have read that in general, human beings as they get older tend to spend more of their thinking on spiritual matters as a rule and less on making it or surviving or that sort of thing. So you're you're right in the mainstream there, except that you had a head start. You were thinking about those things already. (laughs) Well, and Susie, I don't know that our two approaches have to be mutually exclusive. I agree with everything you say. Um, 
And, and in fact, that's kind of what my coaching is about is mm. what are you going to do with this extra time you're allotted that we're all in? Um, mm. How do you take your stand, make your impact on the world or live your life on your own terms? Um, but to me, it doesn't matter if I'm 40 years old or 90 years old. No. As no. long as everything's working. And I do know young people whose parts aren't working, you know? And I look at my 98-year-old mother-in-law. The only thing that's looking old on her is her mind. I mean, she'll ask three times in a five-minute conversation if we're going anywhere. <laughs> Are you in the car? Nope, we're not. Um, but, I mean, she's less gray than I am. It's amazing. I was thinking that we, there's somebody, these, there are some young fellows who are repairing our roof right now. And, and sort of like, I think of myself as this sort of young guy who just doesn't mm -hmm. work, you know, and I like, yeah. uh, rather than a retiree, <laughs> I open up the door and they seem to treat me deferentially as a guy who, uh, <laughs> you know. So I think a lot of the times, I remember when I was uh, in college or in graduate school and how young the undergraduate seemed in, in where I was living in this apartment house. It's all sort of a relative thing. And of course, we were all very young. We were all 24. 324 18 but i guess it's sort of compared to what old compared to what i don't know hopefully i'll be around much longer <laughs> well when i was in first grade my first grade teacher was really really old and her son was in high school and so how old are you when your kids are in high school <laughs> not very old yeah. but to first grader five year old ancient history <laughs> so it is all relative charles I was thinking that in like some cultures, the uh, Chinese say, and, and, and Indian that were, you know, the sannyasin goes off and these, you know, these people that you revere and respect are, are older people in the United States, at least in the media portrayed as doddering and foolish and comical, or is that just for television? I, I'm not really sure. You know, I, I, we do talk about, uh, our reverse values, our, our, our adoration of youth culture. I don't know if that's true or if that's also just a symptom of advertising. I, I'm not really sure. I always revered my elderly relatives. In fact, I could never bring myself to call Uncle Harold Harold. <laughs> I had to call him Uncle Harold. Well, my nephews call me Aunt Kit, and I get even by calling them Nephew Corey and Nephew Austin. So, you know. <laughs> I, I was going to say that it, uh, from my experience, I certainly don't feel very revered, uh, but but maybe that's just a perception. Maybe I have to get a lot older to be revered. What would that be? What what would that look like to be revered? That's a great question. Uh, maybe maybe when I make a suggestion, they would listen. That would be something. Mm -hmm. Even if they only listen and still do what they want. But if yes. Listen. Yes. <laughs> well, and my most recent article, I mean, I'm going to be doing a series on this whole concept uh, of what is elderly, what is aging. Um, but Charles, that, what you just raised is what a lot of what I talked about or some of what I talked about. I think it is the fact that we don't live in multi-generational clusters, be it family or villages anymore. You know, there's the young part of town, the old part of town, you know, the, the kids apartment building, the seniors apartment building, I'm kind of making this up, but 
Um, but I think there's a lot of that going on. Um, so we haven't been, we don't know what our seniors have to offer. So we, we just dismiss them as maybe that's where the media is doing disservice. I'm one who does not get up in arms over the isms. I, I don't go out and join rallies or riots or anything because seniors are portrayed badly. But I, I think your point about separation is 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 absolutely on target because essentially we're a society that has decided that our our elders should be warehoused. And all of those ads that we see for the retirement communities are just feeding that and saying, oh, my God, are you in a neighborhood where there's lots of loud kids around? Come to our seniors <laughs> only community where everybody is like you. Yeah. Uh, I was just I was just thinking uh, that I that I'm intrigued by this question of being revered. Maybe it's just something I want. So it intrigues me. And and uh, when I asked you, Don, I thought your answer was just about perfect. You you want to be listened to, but when you think about it, everybody wants to be listened to. So it's not as if that's something that arises in particular with age. It's it's something that's in short supply throughout one's life. And amen. You know we should. Uh, just pay more attention to that need that's pretty u much universal. And then everybody might feel revered. I like that. So, I like that. Good so part of, being re part of being revered then is feeling, I think it's feeling useful. Useful and respected. Yeah. yeah. We want to feel like we matter and can make a difference. You know, when somebody pushes you in size, the side says, here, I'll carry that for you. Um, and you're going, am I drunk? I mean, why <laughs> why can't I do this myself? Um, it, it, th that is what we're looking for. And kids don't necessarily, and kids are anybody younger than us, right? You know, 30s, younger. But they don't push each other aside to take care, you know, let me carry that for you um, or whatever. They let people do their own thing. And we cross this magic threshold where all of a sudden we're incapable. And we are capable until we say we're not. And some people start that when they're 50, and some people never start it. I think like my mother-in-law. Yeah, I still like to think of myself as part of that demographic that's, that I'm not the one who needs to be helped. So is there something we can do to turn media around to let, encourage them to depict seniors for just being people who have more turns of the sun or calendar pages. I think there are several organizations that are trying to do more of that. Um, I know that uh, Ashton Applewhite has got a group that uh, pursues this pretty, pretty avidly. And uh, she's, she's an activist. She, she mans the picket lines and, and gets out there. Well, my husband, who's five years younger than I am, subscribed to AARP. I refused to because I thought that was for old people, and he decided he wanted to take advantage of it. But mm. they do seem to be doing a good job. I flipped through the most recent issue of elevating seniors, you know, depicting them as 
happy, capable, um, and talking about the things that people try to do to trick them into giving away their money and everything. Um, but how, how many people outside of a few seniors read that? How do we get that concept elsewhere? That is true. And yet, if you look at AARP magazine, the ads are for retirement communities and senior phones. And I'm still not sure whether I should be insulted by senior phones or not. They have the, the ones that have buttons the size of nickels uh, so that you can't miss big numbers, big numbers, so that you can punch them all. And, and they're connected to your medical alert button so that, you know, you can fall and be able to get up. So I don't know. Now, a lot of medical alert ads in this one. And then there's the Barker lounger that helps you sleep or get out of your chair. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, they're not necessarily teaching us how to live independently. Like I would love to see, and they may have had it last month, an article on why regular frequent movement is important to your longevity and to your daily health. Um, I learned this when my dad died of pneumonia that I happened to be staying with some paramedics. And they said, I had lunch with a doctor and staying with paramedics. And between them, I learned that we all know that our lungs are pumps for our lymph system. And when you're bedridden, they make you blow into the little device and keep the ball floating. That's one of your lymph pumps. The other one is the soles of your feet. So the, the action of moving, walking, pumps your lymph system. And of course, when you walk, you also get your lungs going, but that combined effort keeps the lymph going and the lymph takes is takes the trash out from all your body parts. So how many people know that? I mean, I, that was three years, three and a half years ago, dad died. Um, so I was 60 something before I ever heard that. We should be teaching kids that. So I would love to see more of that kind of stuff. So... No, I'd said that this is the first time I've I've heard that description of how I mean I've known that that movement and walking is good for you and I can feel it too after I've been you know wake up from sleeping and I, I like to get up and move and I you know breathe more easily I think um, and you know you hear the stories of people who are bedridden and how that is but but this is the first time I've and I'm 69 <laughs> that I've heard that that's a good description thank you for the for the description. My friends, we have really covered a lot of ground today. My thanks to our Council of Elders, Charles Rammelkamp, Susie Kaufman, and Kit Cassingham for being on today's podcast. I'm your host, Don Auction, wishing you a life of grace, purpose, and joy.
Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The Endgame, at theendgame.substack.com. I'm Don Auction, wishing you all the best in aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I hope you'll join us for future programs here at The Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark Hyman has a podcast on lymph this week. Oh, Don left this. Um, That if you like podcasts and stuff, Mark Hyman's got it. I just started listening to it an hour ago. I'll listen to it later. But um, valuable information about. Why we want to keep the lymph moving. So, so. well, I'm going to ask. No. This is, Mark is a functional medicine doctor.